You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to the Deliberative, your weekly podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today, as always, is Jim. How's it going? And filling in for Charles, who is away today, is our buddy Neil. Sup? Sup, man. Now, those of you who have heard us uh, for a while, you listen to the show for a while, you know that Neil is a fellow that has joined us on our Wild Shape podcast, uh, our actual play podcast that we're working on. He's called into the show before, and today we figured, you know, since Charles was out, we'd let him come on and see how he does with just talking through all the junk. So, man, glad to have you here. Thanks for doing it. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you throughout the show today. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I think so. But before we get too much farther, we've got some news to talk about. Well, the news this week, and it was big news, surprising news, is that the book, the new book, Lunar's Fangs at the Gate, has moved from first draft status into red lines status. Oh, man. This is great. Mm -hmm. It is great. I mean, I was super shocked to see this happen so quickly. I mean, Lunar's hit the first draft stage only a few weeks ago, because I remember we reported on it. Well, and yeah, now after we, we talked to James Lines. Bell, I think you made the comment that he ruined Christmas. Because, That's right, uh, <laughs> and he did. Because Lunars, <laughs> like he said that he didn't see, like, you know, but he said he'd be surprised if, you know, I mean, he wouldn't be surprised if, right. because they do a lot, they turn, they're churning out work over there now. But, yeah, yeah, it was great to hear, you know, about the Redlands. Sometimes I secretly think that he may have known but just couldn't say anything. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm going to take him at his word that he that he doesn't know hardly anything that's going on behind the scenes there. But uh, well, I mean, if you are sworn to secrecy, you're not going to let on that you know something because then people are just going to be prodding <laughs> you all the time, which I probably would have done. But right. <laughs> well, but we do also have to be honest about this. I mean, while it has moved from first draft into red lines, and that is a big step, we're essentially at the first editing pass now from the developers. They're going to they're gonna go back, take a look at all the stuff that has been sent into them by the various writers, and they are redlining this, correcting this, uh, making notes on this, and then it'll go back for another draft. And so there is still writing work to be done. Of course, there's the long, long road of... Uh, gathering art, doing layout, and all that other kind of stuff mm. that they have to do. So right. I mean, this, we're we we haven't really taken too many steps toward completion here, but this is actually a good step, and I am very excited to see now how fast it moves from red lines onto something else. But, well, one of the things I think that's exciting for someone like me who's a, a newer player to this system is you have the dragon blooded final draft coming out soon, right? Cause it, they sent out the, right. the, the pre pledges and, and everything at first, all you really have is the solars and now the dragon blooded. So you're comparing the dragon dragon blooded to the solars, but now you're going to be having right. another book to see how each of them are really their own. It's not, right. it's not the comparing the dragon blooded to how they differ from the solars as you build your character, but really seeing them as their own, different type of exalted so that's kind of what i'm yeah. excited to see in the Absolutely. in the coming years as they publish the different types of exalted that you can play 
Yes, it's it's a super exciting time as those things start rolling out. I remember through second edition and each new manual of exalted power that came out and it was just like it's it's almost like a whole nother game because you know when you think about how big exalted is as a game and how all of these various exalt types are sort of um they're sort of analogous to various things in the world of darkness you know so the lunars are kind of like werewolves and uh the abyssals are kind of like vampires and the liminals are very much like Prometheans. And, you know, so each one of these exalt types is really almost its own sub game because right. you're either going to play a Solar's game or a Dragon Blooded game or a Lunar's game. I mean, you, you do have people who try to do the crossover stuff and, and have, you know, a, a sprinkling of different types. But each one of these, these different exalt types also carries with it this huge amount of backstory all kinds of adventure hooks and whatnot so a lunar's game trying to conquer various lands or 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 shape various lands in the edges of creation is a super different game than a bunch of dragon bloods doing internecine warfare and trying to jockey for position within this you know kind of crumbling empire or whatnot and that's very different from a Solars game where the Solars are, you know, newly on the scene and about to make their mark in a world that kind of hates them, you know. So, like, each one of these is vastly different. It really is, like, its own game in a larger universe. And so I, I get super excited for these books, these Exalt-type books. It used to be called the Manuals of Exalted Power. Now, I guess we're just calling them by, their, by the name of the Exalt-type. But, uh, yeah, massive expansion. It is like an expansion pack right <laughs> with lots of new story and stuff so yeah very exciting stuff lunars watching it develop can't wait to see when it moves from that stage to the next stage and of course we'll be right there to tell you all about it as soon as that happens but um also in the news this week we have three new special episodes of the deliberative podcast to help you explain the game of exalted to new folks and I recorded these over this last week when my family's been out of the house, got lots of free time to do lots of junk that I don't normally get to do. And so I sat down and wrote these three episodes. And so what you've got there, we, I've, I've sort of titled them after the various circles of sorcery. And so, you know, because you have like kind of the entry level, the emerald circle, the intermediate, the sapphire circle, and the advanced, the adamant circle. And so that's the way we've titled the episodes. And uh, what those are is that that Emerald Circle, that first stage, is really just talking about the hobby of role-playing in general and then a little bit about how Exalted fits into that hobby. It's, it's kind of a look back at some of the history of the hobby and the movers and shakers and whatnot and how systems develop and that kind of thing. So for people who are just like totally brand spanking new to this whole idea of tabletop role-playing, that will hopefully give them a little bit of a context for where all of this stuff fits in. And then the uh, Sapphire Circle, the second stage of the learning process, is just kind of talking all about the world of Exalted. So this is all about how the primordials and the gods and the you know the the start of you know having exaltations and what that means and and the history of the world and the Scarlet Empress and the Great Contagion and not, you know just all of that good stuff. So a real good introduction to the whole world in, in, of, uh, of Exalted. And then that third stage, the Adamant Circle, the more advanced stuff. This is, this is like getting into the rules a little bit, talking about how dice rolls are made in the system, 
and what are what's the difference between withering and decisive attacks and social interaction and all that kind of stuff now it doesn't it's not going to serve as any kind of like replacement for reading the rules but it would give i think it would give folks who are you know you're trying to introduce them to exalted and they just need a little bit of context before they get in there and start reading some of this stuff because the books are so large and whatnot it well, can Corey, give them that would work really up. good like if you're for that for the adamant circle um if you have someone who is transitioning from another role-playing game and you're trying to explain the different combat system like that's a really good primer like that they can see that hey you're not just some guy two guys standing in front of each other with 100 hit points each just trading blows like no this is kind of like a back and forth combat system feels a little more uh realistic like the uh like the kung fu movies and stuff or the matrix or something like that where right. it's back and exactly. forth back and forth and then decisive attack right and also just that the social interaction and how different how different that is from like say you know making a diplomacy check in uh, pathfinder or D, you know mm. and uh, just comparing that to a single uh, dc or whatnot you know having to actually discover players intimacies or, or characters having to discover another character's intimacy and then you know, use that as a way of deciding how you're going to try to convince this person to do something. You know, right. if they hate the Scarlet Empire, well, you can try to say, look, I know, I know how much you hate this. And so I, th- our plan is going to try to bring them down. Right. Right. And so you, that, that kind of greases the, uh, greases the road there and helps you get in there. So, um, anyway, so yeah, my, my intention in all of this was twofold. First of all, uh, we have a lot of people who listen to the deliberative for whatever reason who who really don't have any kind of context in gaming. And some of these are people that we know. Some of them are, are just, you know, folks who stumble across the show and they're like, wow, you know, I, I enjoy listening to you guys. I, I, I feel like I want to know what you're talking about, but I don't. And so <laughs> we want to be able to to put some some links. I want to go and put on every one of our show notes uh, every one of the episode descriptions links to these three stages so that people who do just kind of stumble into it and want to know more about it have an easy recourse to learn about it. But then also, I really would like, you know, I would hope that it would be a tool for the exalted community as folks are, you, you know, you're trying to convince somebody to get into, get into the game and you want them just to have something easy that's kind of all in one place to listen to. Uh, there you go. All right. Well, before we get into our feature discussion this week, which is Forest Witches, been looking forward to this one, uh, let's talk just a little bit about your week in creation. What have all of you guys been doing, if anything, in the world of Exalted this week? Well, Corey, um, I know we talked about this last week about um, putting together some characters with my kids. All right, yep. You know, uh, we celebrated uh, Independence Day here in the United States on July 4th. Well, we typically go to this one particular spot to watch fireworks. And to get to get a good spot, we have to get there early. So I pre-planned. Right. I said, well, from like 6 to 9.30, I'm probably going to be doing absolutely nothing. Just sitting right. there waiting <laughs> for it to That's get dark. Worst. Yeah. And, uh, like, you know, it's super hot and you're waiting for it to get dark so you can watch like 20 to 30 minutes of like coolness. But anyway, yeah. so I was, I was like, well, 
let's make some characters. That's but yeah, cool. so we got characters put together. So we're looking forward to getting to our awesome. story. And um, uh, I don't want to take too much time, but basically, short summary: my uh, daughter's character is like a failed experiment. That's going to be her concept. Mm. Where her her father was doing like Rocket some... the Raccoon. <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, her father yeah. was doing some kind of wild magic on her, and like and, you know, altered her a little bit, and the unconquered son like exalted her to to escape that that torment as Ooh. she decided to turn and and fight back, you know. Ooh. And my son made this investigator. Like he walks Ooh. around the streets of Halta like solving mysteries and i'm like and you know he draws his character and i'm like you know what i don't want to to me it's a little different like yeah. you know you picture like these big fantasy warriors with like their big you know diclaves and stuff but he's yeah. like he wanted to he's like this is what i want to do and i'm like okay well let's do it you know i yeah. mean here i get on this podcast and say you could be anything you want and exalted so uh <laughs> You know, That's it's right. kind of kind of like uh, ratatouille. Like anyone can cook. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Anyone can supernal investigation. So. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, the downside is I don't think I'm going to get to play in the Northwest. Right. Um, yeah. But we're probably going to like stick somewhere around the the city of Halta. Because right. I need to be in a city, but I need to That's be close. your old stomping grounds anyway. Yeah, yeah, but I need to be close to the wild too to uh, to fit in my daughter's character. But uh, yeah, that's what we did. We made characters and uh, watched fireworks. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. I, I that actually makes me jealous. I wish I was there at the park waiting for fireworks, making role playing characters too. That's actually uh, that'd be a pretty <laughs> sweet little deal. Oh yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. Well, awesome. Well, uh, Neil. You're you're not normally an exalted player unless you're playing in our wild shape game, right? But do, have you uh, done any like reading or anything this week? This week I was trying to uh, brainstorm a new character for our wild shape uh, play podcast. I've really liked the character I've been playing with you guys, Vutes, who's um, kind of a survivalist type character. I don't want to give too much away. Stay tuned. Um, but spoiler alert! I, I, yeah, but I really, I really invested. <laughs> cut the mic! Cut the mic! Um, but I really, I, when I made that character, I decided just to invest fully in one skill line, essentially. Right. Yes. And I decided, and while it has made for a couple of pretty awesome scenes, it has made him somewhat one-dimensional not completely right. but but a little bit so i've been trying to think through a new character um just to play in the future who uh has a supernal of bureaucracy just because i think it's funny that they have that as <laughs> as, as as a thing so i've just been trying to brainstorm a good story and we were talking over text over like the logistics of what i had in my initial backstory as for that character right. so it's just really helpful and then kind of going through and making sure like i don't invest all the charms at character creation into the supernal as tempting as that can be because i mean that's, that's what but that's what really defines your character You're but right, also right. realizing like well i want him to be balanced at the same time so yeah. I've, I've been just doing kind of some brainstorming not really any technical or mechanical uh work but just uh story background and things of that nature 
So right. we'll stay tuned for that, and uh, I hope we do get to do uh, a playthrough with whatever I come up with there. Yeah, um, Neil, I, I can I could um, agree. There is that temptation to like boost that supernal because you're like. Oh, I can yeah. get all my Essence 2 and Essence 3 charms right out the gate. Exactly. But you have yeah. to climb the tree really far to get up to those. Right. You're really cool, but then you're like, man, when whenever anyone <laughs> does anything else, I, I can't really do much. And this is and this is key just to role playing in general that you want to give your character room to grow into. Yes. Being Amazing. I mean, obviously, everyone wants to be heroic, so give give something they can do heroic early, but not like the most heroic thing that they can do. You know, let your character grow into that as they adventure. Right. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, yeah, when I was helping my daughter uh, make her her night cast that she's working on, she is an athletics supernal, oh. and I mean, we, you know, we're looking at this. We're like, okay, how many charms does it take? Uh, for you to be able to like sprout wings of sun uh, sunlight out of your back and fly like right at character creation <laughs> and you can you can actually get there i think i counted it's like nine charms eight or oh, nine wow. charms or something like that uh you could actually do that from character creation but uh when we when we looked at it you know i told her she only had 15 charms to pick and you know she saw how many it was going to take and she wanted to take some some throne and she wanted to take some uh, stealth and dodge and all that kind of stuff. She eventually decided not to go the whole way to the flying just yet, but she still has quite a few. I think the best way to deal with the supernal is like, you're looking at all the abilities that you want your character to be really good at, you know, your favorites, your cast uh, abilities and all that kind of stuff. And you're going, okay, out of all of these, which one can I just not do without like the essence two charm? Like, you know, cause like there's a lot of good stuff at essence one, but there's usually like one essence two charm in one of the abilities that right. you're just like, my character has to have this at character creation in right. order to make his story work. Well, that's what my supernal is. And that's, that's the way I pick it. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, it, it is a big temptation. I would call that a typical rookie mistake going all in on like one ability, uh, <laughs> as you, as you play more and more, you tend to spread them out a little well, bit. Well, the good but, thing yeah, is, you know. is now, uh, she has something to look forward to. Oh, right. Yeah. She's motivated. And it's not that far off. I yeah. Think Cause she wants to, she wants to get it, you know? Right. That's her only goal. takes two or three more charms and she'll be, she'll be there. So she can yeah, fly I, with wings of sun. Yeah. And I do think that for, because it can be overwhelming amount of information and overwhelming amount of charms. So for someone right. coming new to the game, um, I, I do, you, you know, you call it a rookie mistake and I think that's true, but I think at the same time, it's also just kind of what should be expected for someone who's new because it gives them a oh, focused sure. area to understand kind yeah, of a baseline to, to understand all the mecha- all the other mechanics yeah um so they don't There's have so to many, learn yeah so many stick of charms yeah. yeah exactly well cool awesome all got new characters in the oven and uh that, that's exciting stuff so this week we have decided we talked about this a few weeks ago that we wanted to cover at some point this this weird weird idea of the forest witches now i will tell you for me forest witches sort of first entered my consciousness during the dragon-blooded what fire has wrought kickstarter when the stretch goals came up about them and i was like what what is this right you know (laughs) and uh now i've 
I read the whole second edition. I read every book in the second edition. I read the Dragon Blood book, and I've gone back since, and I've reread the Forest Witches section. So I know I read this, but I have I completely forgot it uh, because it just didn't apply to our Dragon Blooded game. And so I, you know, I guess just you know filed it in the in the circle file of my brain. But um, but this, you know, when I started seeing these things come across in the Kickstarter stretch goals about these various things that we were unlocking in Forest Witches, some of just the things that were, you know, just the, the wording that was used there got me really interested. And, uh, you know, so I, I went to the, you know, I, I've said before on the podcast that I have not read the whole book, uh, the whole Dragonblooded manuscript that we got, because I want to read it in its full final form with all of its layout and graphics. Yeah, and I have to admit to that, too. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I pick and choose things that I've read in there, but uh, like this week, I was, I was like, oh, did they keep the uh, elemental blast in the lore charm section? Oh yes, they did, and it <laughs> is awesome. Yeah, so you know, I go and I look for stuff like that. So I was like, well, let me, let me go see what the forest witches are in the dragon blooded book, right? And so I dig into that, and there really is in the whole book, in the whole manuscript, there, are, there's only one two-page spread about the forest witches. And that starts on page 21 of that combined PDF. If any of y'all want to go, uh, you know, take a look at that, that's where it's at. And I was very intrigued by the, the various things that are mentioned there in that two-page spread. And so I thought, I, I had never seen this before. This must be a first edition thing, not a second edition thing. So I went back and got the Outcasts book from first edition and read all of this and was just blown away by how cool this whole starting place is because that's really what this is it's like a starting place for dragon bloods you know when you're when you're talking about what do you want your dragon blooded character to be like you have to make some decisions you know is my dragon blooded character one of these great you know was he born into one of these great houses uh does does he have all of this like privilege and wealth and standing and whatnot like among the dragon blood society or is he an outcast that just like kind of, you know, somehow exalted out among the riffraff of the threshold and whatnot? Because if that's the case, he's going to have to, he or she, your character is going to have to decide, you know, what to do now. Do you, do you go and join the Immaculate, immaculate Order that's taking the razor in right. uh, Dragon-Blooded Parlance? Right. Or do you uh, join the Legions that's taking the coin, right? So the razor or the coin, those are the choices for a lot of outcasts. And, you know, because you can't plug yourself into a family, you just have to join, you know, one of these two organizations. Or are you a part of one of these other starting places? In third edition, they talk about the Empire of Prasad and some other stuff. I, don't, I can't remember all of them right now, but among that list are the Forest Witches, these weird stinking dragon bloods that live way out in the woods to the east. So, um, yeah, so some interesting things here. And I guess we just need to... Uh, go through a little bit, you know, uh, you know, we've all read now through the Outcasts, uh, the section on the Forest Witches in the first edition Outcast book. And I have since rediscovered that there is a second edition section of this in the Dragonblooded books for second edition. So uh, we'll just kind of go through here and talk a little bit about what are the Forest Witches. They're a very unique group of people living in the woods in the East and their unique culture that they've developed stems from four major events that have happened. And uh, these events happened coincidentally in the exact same patch of forest in the East. And we'll, we'll talk in, in just a little bit about why maybe all of these things happen in that same spot. 
But I guess uh, maybe the first thing, and we'll give everybody a chance to kind of chime in here, but I think the first thing that happened uh, in the in the timeline of these forests, which is which is coming to being, is that back in the first age, these two lovers, Kahiro and Cassandra, were so in love with themselves or so in love with each other, they decided that they had the perfect relationship and they were at the most happy they could possibly be. And so rather than let that degrade over time as they grow older and their bodies grow older and they lose love for one another through, uh, through familiarity and contempt, that they would just simply kill themselves and go out on a bang at the height of their passion. And we that, call that the Seinfeld exit. The Seinfeld exit. Yeah, right. you, you leave when you're on top. Right. And so that's <laughs> what they decided to do. And so... What happens is this Kahiro, he's, he decides he's going to take care of himself first. He walks out into the woods, finds a pool in the jungle, drowns himself. And then some weeks later, Cassandra, drawn, I guess, by whatever drew Kahiro to that spot in the jungle, she walks out in the middle of there, sees this pool, goes in, drowns herself. So coincidentally, they each drown themselves in the exact same pool in the forest. And that was in the first stage. The next story that takes place in the uh, Force Witches lore is a story about Fernike, a an Eclipse cast, who has this garden that she loves. And what happens is one of her aides uh, goes walking through her garden, I guess without permission, or she wasn't supposed to be there, and she disturbs right. the garden and gets scared because, you know, her master... I'm guessing is like really in love with this garden. So she runs the way the first edition book describes it. It almost seems like we have a little bit of uh, a, a piece of the curse because mm, yes, her, this eclipse cast, when she catches up to her aid, instead of just reprimanding her and say, Hey, you know, you're going to be tilling the garden for me for a while. No, she like decorates the forest in like her body parts like stretches yes yeah, so yeah, stretches you know her tendons and her muscles like in the in the uh in the trees and like basically decorates the forest in her uh her handmaiden's body orathia orathia is the name of that age. yeah orathia yeah. and uh you, I, I don't do well with names uh <laughs> so so this she doesn't die like she becomes like one with the forest and this is just so cool because this is what i love about exalted all right um (laughs) when we played vampire i kind of had like this idea for a story and i was like yeah i want to kind of do this and i want this like kind of demonic presence and you're like you know Corey being the rules guy you're like well you know (laughs) Demons don't actually act like that in the world of darkness. They're kind of like this. But I was like, no, but I want this. And you're like, well, there's nothing really. You know what? Exalted buddy. I could do whatever I want. So (laughs) this kind of explains some of that stuff. Because you're like, well, what charms did uh, this Eclipse cast activate to do this to her mate? No, 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 no. This is just absolute coolness for the sake of story. I don't have to explain this to you. This is it. This is what happened. So, I love well, stuff like this. And if like you this. did need an explanation, if you did need one, you could just always lump it under some sort of sorceress working or something. Or you, you just know, th- exactly. throw it out, yeah. throw it out there in the wild. 
Like, yeah. well, you know. Something in the wild happened. Yeah. You know, exactly. something in the wild, you know. <laughs> right. So I love, I, I love this story. And yeah. I love where it goes from here. Like, but we'll, we're going to get into that in a minute, probably. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, her, her like skull is in like a rock garden oh, and her yeah. eyes are in the flowers. And it's so nasty. It's just so gross, but it's so cool at the same time. Just, wow. What a, what a macabre scene that is. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny you say macabre because I had literally written down uh, when I was taking notes, reviewing this section, how macabre a lot of this right. is. That's right. So silent R, macabre with a silent R. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so the next story that uh, the the book talks about is Lady Dominica, who she has like a nightmare when she goes into this wooded area and she's turning all about and she notices when she wakes up that she had. Uh, impaled her hand on a thorn but there's no blood so she and it's just like this shimmering gray is how it's described so she eventually um catches on to this this pattern that whenever she gets cut or or impaled or hurt it's not there's no blood drawn so she instructs her servant to actually while she's asleep and thrashing about to pull out her bones and he (sighs) and he does that and what results is her turning into what's called just a shimmering gray essence, essentially. Right. So yeah. she and she doesn't experience pain. She doesn't experience death. It's more of a transformation that occurs. So it's kind of bizarre that she even took the initiative to do that. But that's right. the end result. Yeah. It was so weird. And again, in the same spot of forest, right? And then the last thing that happens is just, I mean, really, you could sum it up with like a whole bunch of people show up, right? I mean, that's, that's yeah. pretty much right. <laughs> so this, uh, this dragon-blooded general, Sivas uh, Gandharva, he brings this band of outcasts to this same spot in the forest, and they take up residence. And their presence here just kind of becomes the catalyst that then creates all of the special funkiness that becomes, you know, what the culture of the forest witches or whatnot. Because one of his lieutenants, who has just this great exalted name, Peace of Song Forgotten, he walked into this pool, the same pool where Kahiro and Cassandra drowned themselves, and challenged the spirit of this pool, because there was some spirit there, to combat. And throughout this, so this combat, cool. <laughs> yeah, he throughout this, he he gets to like interact with Kahiro, who doesn't realize that Cassandra, the ghost of Cassandra or the mind of Cassandra or whatever, is in the same pool. So he kind of, you know, reintroduces them to each other. And this whole encounter sort of kickstarts this idea of the sea of mind. This pool in the forest becomes this sea of mind. And we'll talk a little bit about these in just a minute. And then another of the lieutenants of Sivas Gandharva, uh, his second lieutenant, Valentin, sitting, sitting in the wood, brushing his hair, draws the attention of the spirit of Orathia, who, you know, whose body is just decorated all over the place. And as a result of their interaction back and forth, Orathia begins to animate the trees and plants around like because i guess her muscles are a part now of the vines and the trees and whatnot in the place and and she through her through spiritual energy is is able to like form a house for valentine 
And this is like the beginning of the jungle kind of taking care of those who live in it and forming homes for them and whatnot. Right. And feeding them and, and everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. So and they then can another, concentrate on better stuff. Exactly. And then another one of the, uh, of Sivas Gandharva's retinue, uh, a, a woman by the name of Samantha Anja. She's sitting there in this, in this jungle and oh, she's I talking to story. the mist. Yeah. So yeah. She, she, she talks to the mist that was Lady Dominica and they they kind of go back and forth. The mist is trying to convince her to you know uh, like like harm herself, cut her bones out, do the same sorts of things that Dominica did. She doesn't really want to. And there's kind of this trickery that happens where she's kind of tricked into uh, stabbing herself and becoming the first Numina of the mist, uh, sort of like a sentient mist form in the jungle. And so. Right, and so so Sivas Gandharva and his crew are like the catalyst then that that really you know transform all of these original uh, happenings into then that like the final form that they take that create the culture for the for the uh, forest witches. And so now mm-hmm. all of this history culminates in these four main sort of weirdnesses of the forest witches in this part of the jungle. You have the Sea of Mind, which is like a parallel world ruled by the dead from a city called Atzalith Eternal, which is inside this growing forest pool. And the dead, like the the forest witches, they join their minds into this sea of mind and they can walk amongst the dead in this sort of paradisaical, is that the way you say that? Paradisaical? I think so. In this sort of (laughs) paradisaical world inside this forest pool. And they want to keep growing this paradise so that more and more people can join it. And so in order to do that, they have to like uh, find artifacts and cast them into the pool. And it slowly grows, not only in actual physical size, but also in its its capacity for more and more souls to be joined to it. And Corey, do you you mind me asking a lore question at this point? Because when I saw that, I was wondering is this any way connected to the abyssal exalted or is that like a different demiplane or what how, how yeah, does this that is, fit in this is like a very this is a separate thing this is someplace and again we'll talk about this in a second when we when we try to figure out what exactly is going on here but um but yeah this is not the underworld this is okay. some sort of like like in my in my view i think this is all taking place inside the mind of some being Right now, I could be wrong okay. about that, but it's it's definitely at least some sort of demiplane, right? But uh, but yeah, this is this is separate from the abyssals and the underworld and all that kind of stuff. Okay, okay. even though it is like ruled by the dead, you know, the dead live here and, and yeah, that, uh, that's what actually... I was kind of wondering. I was just like, I'm not really sure, so I just wanted to ask right. just for my own clarification. Right, no, that's a good question. And another one of the weirdnesses is the fact that this Orathia that has like she took care of. Uh, Valentine made a house for him. Well, and Jim alluded to this already. This 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 forest is now sort of actively taking care of all of the forest witches, making them houses, making them food. Uh, I mean, just just really providing for their every need. And in order to keep the the forest appeased. Uh, the forest witches go out and get like some beautiful people from time to time and bring them because Valentine was this beautiful, you know, male person that the forest fell in love with. And so they go out and grab beautiful people, bring them to the woods. And for a while they're treated really well. And then just one morning they're completely eviscerated, you know? And so, so the forest is like eating these sacrifices or whatnot. This is really cool because like, if you're in the 
in the forest, you're you're never really alone. Like there's right. always the presence of 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 the forest is with you, which is which is creepy as crap. Yeah, it's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's cool but creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it's creepy. That's for dang sure. Uh, but yes, but it is cool. You know, I mean, you just imagine this like. The, the, the forest itself just like sort of creating this mansion for you to live in well, and, it taps, and then providing all this food and whatnot. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and it just taps into, I think, that that subconscious fear that we all have if we're out in the woods. Like, yes. I think this is just excellent storytelling and excellent, uh, an excellent setting because right. even if we are relatively sure that we're all alone and that there's nothing out there, in this world... There is something out there. You're <laughs> surrounded by it. It's like, that's just terrifying. That's a terrifying yeah. thought. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. And it really, it gives, it gives credence to the fact that we're calling these people witches, right? Yeah, yeah. At first you're like, why are they witches? You know, like, are they, are they actually like, you know, sitting around like, you know, a cauldron or something and, and making potions or like, what's going on? Well, I mean, <laughs> it's just this creepy group of people in the woods that go get human sacrifices and you know commune with the dead i mean in a lot of ways it feels very witchy so i think it's a it's a definitely an appropriate you know moniker for these folks but uh one of the and then the third one of the third of the four uh, weirdnesses is the fact that this mist is still a presence in the wood and some dragon bloods can decide to kind of become one with this and they become what they call the noumena of the mists and their body transmutes into mist and they get some new kinds of special powers and whatnot because of that the other forest witches that are still you know basically flesh and bone uh they have different rituals and whatnot where they can call these noumena of the mist some of them worship the noumena of the mist and so uh, just a whole new sort of just a whole new class of being for some of the forest witches to choose to enter into this uh, compact or whatever and become a mist, which is just weird. I mean, that's bonkers. I don't know how you can play a game <laughs> with somebody as a mist, but uh, hopefully we'll get to see some of that. But it'd be pretty neat to see what kind of powers and whatnot the, the mist get. There's some of that in first edition, but I don't think there was very much of that at all in second edition. So we'll see if we get it in third edition. And then finally, and this is one of the weirdest things of all, even though those three things are very weird, but uh, Sivas Gandharva, this guy who brought his group of outcasts out here, he has a lot of ambition in terms of like trying to bring real change to dragon blooded society and culture and the whole world in general. And he has discovered a way to exercise this influence that he desires by choosing the woman, really choosing the womb that he wants to be reincarnated, reborn into, and I suppose actually keeps his memories and other sorts of things. I think he does because in the um, in the first edition, when he the first time he does this, he actually comes back to where the the witches are and claims right. he is who right. he is and then after like he whoops up on a couple of them they're like okay I, we think you're the guy <laughs> right and, and you just think about how powerful this ability is you know like you know what i want to have some uh i want to have some influence in you know in the in england or whatever so you know you say you know i 
I'll just I'll just be reborn as Prince Harry and Princess Meghan's child. And then from there, I will begin to take over the realm. Right? You know, like that's that's what they're doing. And like it's not just Siva Skandarva. He's taught other of the forest which is how to do this. And so they can really have an outsized influence right. on the world around them just by carefully choosing parents to be reborn into. And you think about not only can you get just in like uh, places of influence, but you can also steal a lot of wealth this way. Oh, he was you know? reborn in the house of Lidal. That's but, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. It just came back to me. <laughs> right. So what a weird thing. So, I mean, so you put these four weirdnesses together and you have a very, very unique group of people, a very unique starting place for a dragon blooded character. There is just, there's a lot of stuff going on here, but now I want to get to this question. So we've been, we've been hitting around it a little bit here. What in the world do you think might actually be going on in this patch of woods? I mean, what is causing all of this? There's gotta be something that was here before. Do you guys have any, any, uh, any, any theories on this? I got some theories, Corey, but I, I think I'm going to let Neil go first since he is uh, newer to Exalted. I mean, we'll, oh, okay, yeah, just let's see what see. he what he has. Yeah, so I, I was thinking that two things are going on here. The first is this is a, an area to where the normal rules of life and death just don't exist. That they're suspended for some reason and in some way. Uh, to where things are right. just more fluid, to where the life yeah. forces intermingle more readily with the material. I think that's the first mm. thing. The second thing, when you read some of these stories, I think people lose their minds when they go in. Um, yeah. Because they're making decisions that no rational person would make, and then that's compounded by the suspension of the normal laws and rules of life. So they recognize that something weird is going on and they don't have the normal mental faculties to say, hey, maybe I should leave here. Rather, they're just like, hey, I'm going to continue to cut myself open and see what happens because that's what normal people do. (laughs) Right. So putting that together then, and and by the way, those are very astute observations and and, um, and I think you're right. Those two weirdnesses that you just mentioned, I mean, that's definitely going on. So what might cause it though? Jim, you said you had some ideas. What do well, you think? Well, this is what I think. Any, anytime we read about like the uh, the fair folk and like the wild on the edges of creation, mm-hmm. um, we're always told that you know, like, oh, there's this this stuff going on in the wild, and you got the wild taint. To me, this feels <laughs> like like the wild is influencing what's going on here. Like this is like this is on the border of like reality, which is creation right. and like, you know, something beyond reality, chaos, wildness. So if that chaos is bleeding into this section of creation, it would cause some of the rules of creation to, to bend mm. and, yeah. um, and to like, just be lost. Like some of the rules, like, Right. You know, I think about like the movie The Matrix. I'm trying going to try not to spoil anything here. Um, <laughs> Twenty years seen, old. <laughs> in case you haven't seen The Matrix, um, but oh, basically The Matrix operates on a set of rules, and there are some people who can bend and shape those rules. Yeah. Well, 
either the I guess basically maybe the code is uh, it's just to use matrix terms uh, in this area the code is kind of like garbled or it just falls out or maybe there is some kind of force that is bending and shaping the rules to what they want it or maybe right. some of these outcasts and these early solars that walked out here they were kind of influenced but but they had the ability to shape what was going on around them but they weren't really uh conscious of it like like right. they didn't understand that what they were doing was bending and shaping this and i mean maybe this this portion of creation is like it's like Plato, you know, like, yeah. you know, you're like moving and shaping it, but you don't know that you're, you know, that you're bending reality. Uh, or right. it could just be that the rules don't apply here because you're on the edge of creation, which, you know, they're in the, they're in the Northeast, which is pretty close to, uh, to the, yeah. to the wild. I think, I don't know. I think that if it were a border march or a middle march of the wild, you know, those kind of um, border regions where things start to get a little wonky, I think that folks would have noticed because that is something that is noticed in a lot of places in the world, you know, like it's, it's palpable. Um, I think that probably what's going on here, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying this is my think. This is my, the way I'm thinking is that, uh, that there's some sort of, there's some sort of alien presence here uh i get the i get the idea that um orathia it was it's not really orathia herself that is the ghost that's you know manipulating the trees or whatnot but that orathia just sort of bonded with like the ghost of orathia somehow bonded with whatever presence was already here Hmm. um and I think that that presence is what drew the two lovers here. And I think that that presence is a part of that shape, that gray shape and that mist that drew, uh, that drew in Lady mm. Domnica. Yeah. And so when you say, well, what is the presence? I don't know. But if you look at its like overall designs, like what's it trying to do? It's trying to take over the world in, in two different ways. It's trying to... It's trying to swell the sea of mind, which I think is a part of it. And I think that that's what Peace of Song Forgotten uh, Mm -hmm. fought with, right? I think he fought with whatever this thing is. Um, And I think that it's trying to swell this sea of mind to incorporate more and more people. Because, you know, one of the goals of the Forest Witches is to just get everybody into the sea of mind. Right. You know, that that, that would be like... That's something on par to what the Neverborn want to do with dragon right. creation. Into I was going to ask if you thought maybe there was like primordial influence. Yeah, and, well, and you know, there there is more than just simply Neverborn and Yozy. Because both the Neverborn and the Yozis kind of want to do what these po- folks are doing. Right. But what if it's just a unique, like a, like a, a totally different titanic sort of presence from the wild just like the primordials were originally from the wild right and this thing entered creation as like an a not dead not captured primordial-esque type being Mm. right Hmm. uh and then you know it's kind of taken up residence here and is slowly growing its influence and power but it seems very sinister to me and it's one of the reason one of the reasons why when I created the character of the week last week, I made her, uh, I call it, you know the conflicted uh, subversive, because she, you know she, her 
her feelings of like disquiet and dissatisfaction with the way that everything is going with the forest witches Mm -hmm. echoes my own right like if i was born into this group of people i would be like what the heck is going on here you know like like we need to maybe rethink what we're doing you know we're feeding a pool of dead people like you know like we're (laughs) we're dragging sacrifices into the woods and you know like there's it's uh it's creepy and so I think that these, I think that all these people are, are being used as puppets for some sort of malicious presence. And even uh, though they have a cool life, it's like, you know, they are actually serving something far darker than I think. When they you mentioned your, your other character that you made from, from last week, uh, yeah. one thing we haven't mentioned is the, the manses that exist here. Oh, right. Yes, that's right. There are five manses. In the woods, uh, and I think they said, what, three were wood, one was, uh, I can't remember. I can't remember what all the different types were. But yeah, there are there are five different manses in the wood, and the, and the wood does not like it. It does not like the manses. The, and, and you know what? That actually, that actually points to the fact that it might be some being from outside creation. Because remember, the, uh, the wild hates the stability of creation. Right. Right. The fact that it imposes order on what should be disordered. And so this thing cannot stand these manses and manses are an actual crystallization of the order of the energy of creation. And it's like a it's like a festering wound in its side. Like it just doesn't like these being there. And so, yeah, that that actually kind of goes along with kind of what I'm thinking there. So. Yeah, and the forest. The forest doesn't have any influence. Like he, like the 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 trees that grow that grow into these houses and mansions and feed the people. They they have no. They can't penetrate the location of these mansions. Right, the demands. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, around. Yeah, exactly. But man, what a weird place this is. What a weird group of people. And so let's talk for a second about how you could use these in a story because there's so much story potential here. So what sort of stories jump first to your mind that you may want to potentially tell using these strange people? Would any, first of all, just would any of you want to be like a storyteller for a game set among the forest witches? I mean, I sure as heck would. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This place was written for me. (laughs) You got any story? You got any story ideas bouncing around your head that you think would be cool? I know for me, there's just uh, the general conception of this would make for an excellent horror type yes. setting and and yes. i'm thinking again i'm just going back to you're surrounded by the monster you could be surrounded right. by the monster and play that up and <clears throat> have have the characters never feel safe never feel like they can rest and almost mm. deal with their own psyche and their and potential psychosis as it begins to affect them not only on the 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 visceral sense with their emotions but also in the psychological sense as they've heard and seen happen to other people so i think that i think kind of entering in a the we have those limit breaks um but also just entering in uh checks or roles to resist going insane i think would be good and i know that's importing concepts from from other games but i think that there are mechanics within the exalted system to where you can make that work sure yeah yeah that would be cool um jim what about you you got any idea for story there's just so much story potential here um you could you could have a group play 
as four switches, or you could have um, another group of exalts, whether it be lunars, solars, or you know anything, could come into this area, and then right. you could touch on the horrorax aspect that that Neil was talking about. Yes, but, man, there's so much potential. Like, um, let's go and uh, I mean, because a lot of people. Sometimes you got that group of people that wants to play what would be considered bad characters, and they're yep. like, no, 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 we're all heroes. Going and kidnapping people for the CMI—that <laughs> could be fun. Uh, yes, you well, know. you kidnap them for Arathia, you steal artifacts right. for the CMI. Right. Yeah, but but you know, okay, I've I've got the I've got an awesome idea. I mean, this is this is good. Okay, what about playing a group of four switches? that have decided to reincarnate themselves among like this certain family and all of you are like children or adolescents that have all the memories from your time living amongst the forest witches and you're growing up in this dragon blooded family and it sounds kind of like they even keep some of their abilities right, right. so like yeah, and so you're you're like growing up as children, these like sinister, uh, what do you call like fetch children? You know, like you've stolen the actual child, and right. now you know you've got this alien presence, and you're like just you know kind of I don't know. It would be a really cool childhood series, dude. Almost. That is that is dark. I literally got chills when you said that. <laughs> like a shiver went down my spine. Well, because have you ever seen Children of the Corn? That's kind yeah, of what yeah, I'm imagining. Yeah. Right. Oh. Yes. Yeah. You could. You could usurp an entire house you know yeah. with with that many i mean let's say if you had like 20 you know 20 yeah. you know you're looking at maybe a, a 20 year plan and right. then like <laughs> you you control the entire house i mean who's going to stand yes. against you but you think about you think about like those stories where like you know you're you're busy doing what you came here to do and then you get discovered by you know one of the normal people yeah. who are just like what are you doing you know and then you you're like kill her kill her now you know so, yeah. <laughs> there's just all of this like sinister stuff that you oh man that would be a great story yeah. that would be a really really different kind of story and that's what I love about the forest which is they give you the ability to tell these weird stories you know oh yeah oh yeah so, well, so and, and cool. if I could just say something um, about the way in which they present, uh, ju- just and this isn't just about the forest witches, but the way in which they present the lore in these books is through mm-hmm. narrative. It's not through right. statement of fact because it causes right. you to pause. Like there's a, there's a few sections I had to go back and reread because I was just like, wait, what? And I, I just, I love that because it, it makes you more invested rather than just like a statement of facts. Like, oh, and then this happened and then this person right. uh, transformed into, it's like it gives you, you're privy to the dialogue and you're privy to the conversations yes. and the actions that create these weird and strange entities. And I just love that. And I, and I hope other role-playing games and systems adopt that style as well because it just makes it that much more real. You mean yes. there there are other role playing games? Oh, <laughs> no, oh, they're not. So, so, no, sorry, forget to say anything. <laughs> uh, I could do anything I want here. Why go anywhere else? Um, but and by yeah. other role playing games, I mean the dragon blooded and lunar. Uh, I got you. I got you. All is forgiven. Call off the guards. Call off the force, which is coming for your children. Um, so, um, one thing that I've noticed, like reading on the boards, was a lot of people were talking about the first edition of Exalted. Everything yes. was like. 
everything was mentioned as like rumors. Like some people say that this is what causes it, but they always right. kind of like leave it like open. So right. um, they said that a little bit of that was lost in uh, second edition, like right. the whole narratives and stuff that uh, Neil was talking about. So I kind of yes. like that too. I kind of like when you you give me you give me like a uh, you give me a toy box, but I can play with anything I want. Like you're not right. making me like no 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 one puts that block on top of that block. Look at everybody right. else; they're doing it this way. It's like nah nah, I, I want to do it this way. So yeah. they they kind of let you do that. Uh, with, well, I mean, w- with some of that, a lot of people say the first edition is where you go to get the lore, and then if you want the rules, come to third edition. I, I do hope that original that eventually third edition becomes the place to get the lore and yeah, the rules. Third edition becomes the perfect marriage of all that that would be good I, I think that what happened with second edition and now i love second edition don't get me wrong i mean i am a huge huge fan of what they did in second edition and one of the things that i'm a huge huge fan of is what i think caused the problem and that is that they came up with a very very tight publishing schedule they right. were going to make five series of five books and that was going to be the entirety of the game line, right? So you had five manuals of exalted power. They eventually ex- extended that. But uh, but ir- originally the plan was five. You had five books to talk about terrestrial directions, five books to talk about celestial directions, five books to talk about sorcery, five books to talk about, I don't know, different topics in the, the scrolls of the monks, scroll of the kings, all that kind of stuff, you know, that had like right. mass warfare, martial arts, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you had these five books of five, and so there wasn't a place to just put a big long book about the outcast like they had in first edition. So they had to take all of the content of the original first edition Dragonblooded book plus the original five books, uh, uh, aspect books that were published in first edition right. plus the outcast book, all of that stuff. They had to take it and roll it into just the manual of exalted power Dragonblooded. They didn't have any place. They didn't have any other place for it. Right. And so they stuff all this stuff in there and they try to give you, you know, the most that they can. Uh, and then they and I think that a lot of times what happens with role playing games is they keep they keep going, you know, for more information, look back at the first edition. And I know that they've already done that with third edition. They feel like good stuff's already been written. We don't need to write it again. And I would just plea to those writers out there, uh, if any of you are listening to us, please write some of that. Please, <laughs> please do that again. Because, I mean, I know that you don't have to do it exactly the same you did the first time, but, like, when you have the chance, fill out the current edition to the best of your ability without leaving stuff back in, like, a a first or second edition to have to go back and get. Well, because new players a lot of times aren't going to take that initiative if it's not current. Because they they may just think, like, oh, it's outdated, so they're not going to get it anyway. And, And I'm so OCD, I'm like, this book doesn't look like the other books I'm reading. (laughs) <laughs> like it, it feels like I'm, you know, it feels like I'm going off the reservation in order to, to get this information. And, and, uh, that's just kind of weird, but, um, yeah. So in the Kickstarter campaign for dragon blood, what fire has wrought, we unlocked these stretch goals for forest witches. Uh, we unlocked additional setting detail and mechanics for the dead of Atsalith eternal. I think that's really cool. You know, to actually get some game mechanics for those dead folks who are a part of that sea of mind. We unlocked additional setting detail and stats for the Numina of the Mists. So hopefully that means playable Numina of the Mists. Hopefully that means, um, you know, some special 
you know, powers and whatnot. We unlocked additional setting detail and factions such as the Company of Thrones, the Table of Fiends, and individual Forest Witches of Note. And we didn't talk a lot about the various factions within the Forest Witches, but a lot of those have to do with, you know, some people want to expand the uh, Sea of Mind to include everybody. Some want to just include those worthy of that. That would be the Table of Fiends. And anyway, so there's all kind. And then, of course, there's these different um, philosophies of how you go about changing the world. There's the the spear and the blood and all this other kind of stuff. So uh, those are things that, that you guys can look into on your own by reading the outcast book, or even it's, it's all there in second edition. It's just not there in that narrative style that Neil was talking about. That was there in the first edition. It's just more described matter of factly. So, um, so which part, you know, looking, looking at all the stretch goals of things that are going into the heirs of the Shogunate companion book for the dragon blooded book, which parts of these are you looking the most forward to? I'm, I'm mainly looking forward to where they keep saying in each one of these um, stretch goals, they keep saying additional setting detail. So I'm really looking forward to how they build out that setting detail. You know, if they do like what Neil said uh, and make it really um, narrative or if they just sort of, you know, are very descriptive. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that turns out. Hopefully it turns out very narratively. Yeah. And I think for me, the thing I always look forward to uh, in, uh, reading lore is the factions and the different groups that have arisen because i think that helps really give flavor to the settings that that the writers are giving us because it's like okay right. here's the setting here's what's going on here are here's how the population is reacting by forming right. these people with different values so it kind of helps give the setting additional flavor with seeing the mindset of the inhabitants of the world right right well Interesting stuff. Can't wait to see what actually happens there. We are looking forward to that with bated breath, to be sure. Well, let's move on then into our character seed of the week. And we have a very special treat this week. Rather than one of us doing the character seed of the week, we actually had a listener send us a character seed. And I this love was this my character week seed. to do the character yeah. seed, Corey. Hey, it's your week next week, but no, wait, no, it's not. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> well, good because I didn't have a character seed ready. I'm, I'm glad we got one sent in. <laughs> yes, that's right. So, so this is this is great. This is awesome. I love the character that he's created. Our listener Mike also goes by, I guess, the handle Angel Wick. Sent this in, and the the concept is village champion. And here's the seed. A traumatic childhood conditioned you to be cold and emotionless to the outside world. Very few know how to break down your walls and see the real you. You embrace this brooding visage by climbing the ranks of your village's royal guard. Your skills in hand-to-hand -hand combat know no peer. You use your speed and agility to make up for what you lack in brute strength. Your cold and emotionless stature, though only a front to the true you, has bent the knee of many a foe, both in combat and at the interrogation table. The touch of the unconquered sun forced you to break down the thick walls you built within yourself so that you might become greater than the empty shell you appear to be. So very interesting. In the seed, wrapping a lot of emotion Stone and character cold depth. killer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And so an interesting seed, a seed that, that includes, like I said, a lot more, a lot more depth uh, of, of just like, you know, the person herself or himself uh, than, than what we're used to. And so I, I think that's awesome. 
And uh, and then the sample character that he's built for this is a woman by the name of Vera Safran. And he's tied Vera into my character, the uh, the aborted sacrifice, and the forest witch character that I created last week. And so he's built the story for Vera Safran to the include both of these other... cinematic universe. <laughs> That's right. We, we've got a new addition to the CECU. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think this is just really cool. Apparently, this Vera grew up uh, very much infatuated by... Uh, by Shining Water, Aneru, which is the character that eventually becomes uh, Mendicant Phoenix, uh, that which is my aborted sacrifice character, and was there and saw saw my character from from last week uh, reach out and take the stone back and disappear into the woods after after a mendicant phoenix reformed and so just some very interesting stuff here it's uh, it's a it's a big long story that he's written for the character we will post it up on fivepoles.com so you can go take a look at the village champion and thank you so much mike for sending this in yeah uh, really cool mike very awesome and, and he I, and followed I, the format like he, he did he followed yes. the format exactly <laughs> yeah so cool mike you get 20 deliberative points yeah anytime so, uh, you uh, follow <laughs> The manual of style with Corey, you like it's it's almost like uh, submitting something to Onyx Path and following right. the rules that they lay out. Like, okay, well, we'll give it a look because at least you you follow the rules, right? For those of you who haven't been over to DeepWild.com yet, there is actually a post, and I'm not ashamed of this. Okay, but there is a post in the welcome and announcements forum called the deep wild manual of style and i think it's in like version 3.3 or something like that but this thing has gone through a lot of revisions it's like if you're going to play in one of our play by post games here's how you post right and it even goes into you do this you do one space exactly then you start writing here <laughs> and <laughs> so ocd oh i know i'm so ocd i'm i am actually the guy that in 11th grade my english teacher made me grade all of the papers that is that is that is a true story uh, I, I I did the red lines for all of the term papers and whatever else in my 11th grade I don't think there's English a post class. anywhere on the board that doesn't say edited by Corey somewhere. <laughs> like, oh, uh, you, you used too many commas here. Or you should have used oh, a semicolon. Comma uh, yeah. use. Comma <laughs> use. Or people people using uh, ellipsis instead of, uh, instead of a hyphen. Uh, when they need, you know, so yeah, there, there's all kinds of stuff. I edit every single post on the board. I, and I, that's not to say like, I, I don't, some of you those know, like in there on purpose for you. <sighs> I mean, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to say, you know, your stuff sucks. Not, not you personally, Jim or anybody. Else. I'm not trying to say anybody's stuff sucks. It's just that, um, we he can't take we, it. He can't, I can't he physically I can't take, it. take it. And part of what we do on the board is we, at the end of the story, we want to collect everything and put it into a book. And I don't want to do all the editing at one time at the end of the story. I want to do it as we go. So that's Ooh, the reason don't, why. Don't we have like one of our unearths like in a PDF uh, book format somewhere? Yeah, it is. It is. I never put it in EPUB. I always meant to move it over to EPUB. But it's, Man, yeah, it's in PDF. It, I need it's to go back and section. read that. I need yeah. to go back and take a look at that. So thank you again, Mike. Thank you so much for sending us the character seed. Thank you for sending it in our format. And and this should really be just an invitation to anyone else. If you want to submit a character seed, 
we will put that up on fivepoles.com and just keep that collection growing. Oh yeah. And we'll mention you on the podcast. So that I just, I think it's wonderful because we, you know, the three of us, when we make stuff, you know, it comes from our personalities and whatnot. And, and, you know, even though we try to do different things all the time, they, we still find that our characters fall into some very expected lines. Right. And uh, so having other people send stuff in is just, I think it's amazing. So thank give you very it, yeah. much. Give us about six months and we'll have our own antagonist book. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> we're, really, we're really developing quite a collection there. Uh, but we did start, we, we wanted to start something different this week. And it's the reason why Jim didn't have a character seed ready is because we thought we would give a shot to doing a story seed of the week. And it just happened to coincide with the week that Mike sent us a listener made character seed. So this is like perfect, right? So Jim, you are, you are presenting our first ever story seed. What have you got? Take it away. There's so much pressure, Corey. (laughs) No pressure. No pressure. Did I get the formatting right? Uh, Here we go. You're setting the standard here, man. I'm setting the standard. All right. Here is my storyteller seed. It is, I call it a tale of two kingdoms. Okay. Now, the concept is there are two townships who have had minor skirmishes with each other in the past, but never open war. Each side would show enough strength to save face, but each ruler knew that open war would openly destroy both kingdoms. The fair folk are kept at bay by the combination of the people's strength and each township's god. The exalts find themselves holding each side at bay as the child of one of the monarchs has gone missing and rumored to be taken by the other city. Hmm. So there's a concept. Very Trojan Warish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. I read some of this to my wife, and uh, she was like, that sounds like something. I'm like, I can't write anything original. There's only 36 possible plots. <laughs> um, oh, no, so, four switches. That's pretty original. Uh, well, <laughs> um, here's my example using this concept. Okay. The sparkling gem before her union to Hamel, the prince of Moza, played the harlot in her youth with Makla, prince of the land of Nod. That night of passion brought her a son whose true lineage was kept a secret. So she basically got impregnated by the other king or the other prince, but went ahead and married the prince of Moza, but kept okay. it a secret. Okay. Almost 17 years later, Makla, now the king of Nod, learned of this secret when his god refused to bless the son of his household. The oh. god of Nan spoke to Makla, saying, This is not your firstborn, therefore I will not bestow my blessing upon him. Ooh, very interesting. Upon, upon learning the truth, Makla's secondborn, who will forever be the nameless one, attacked his father for denying him his birthright. After the battle, the nameless son is dead, and Makla is mortally wounded because the blessing of his god was withdrawn from him. The nameless one returns and haunts his father, torturing him even in death. As word of the nameless one grows, so does his power. Makla passes into the underworld from infection and losing the will to continue to live. 
the nameless one's power grows, and the dead begin to attack the land of Nan. With no heir to the throne, chaos erupts. The queen of Nan prays to her god to stop her child's assault. Bring me the child of your former husband, is the response of the god. Knowing the truth and fearing for her people, she sends out a group to take back the rightful heir to Nan by kidnapping the illegitimate prince of Moza. So she basically sends out this this uh, superhero squad to go out and uh, reclaim her her dead husband's rightful heir to the right. city. The exalts find themselves trying to discover the whereabout whereabouts of the missing prince, then later confronting the sin of the original uh, the original sin of the queen. To make things more difficult, the missing prince wants to stay and be the king of Nan after learning the truth. Will the king of Moza go to war with Nan? Will he discover the truth? Will the queen confess to her husband what she did over 17 years ago? Will the prince king of Nan go to war with his foster father? Will the fair folk who whispered this sweet temptation to the queen 17 years ago now make a move in the chaos they have created? Ooh. This story is yours to tell. Very cool. Really neat setup there. Um, I like it. I like it. That would be a, that would be a fun story to play out. I would almost be a more fun story to read. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, well, I uh, wanted to give a lot of a lot of uh, different possibilities and background and stuff you could work with. I mean, you know, right. the, the exalts go over here and. This guy got kidnapped, but, you know, what 17-year-old wouldn't want to stay and be the king of uh, sure. an entire land just handed to him? Like, you right. ain't got to wait for your dad to kick the bucket, you know? You're the king now. Right. So, yeah. and also he's imbued with these God-blooded powers. And I would envision, like, when the exalts, they get this this task to go look for this, this, um, this guy. When they arrive at this city, it's under siege by the dead. And they can like fight side by side with this god blooded as he like reclaims his town. And then they're like, okay, we're gonna take you home. And he's like, no, this is my home. I'm staying here. Right. What, where do you go from there? You know? And yeah. uh, so, and you gotta try to balance this, this tension between these two kingdoms. And, you know, is the queen gonna like confess to her husband what she did all this, this many years ago? And will the fair yeah. folk jump in? You know, that. You, you find out or you know a possibility is that they planted this seed in her mind like years years before right. you know right. on a long-term plan so that that that's the seed that's cool man i dig it i think that's very neat and we'll put that up on five poles also we'll try to figure out a good uh a good a good style for that and uh you know because like i said you're setting the standard here so we'll We'll put that up, and uh, you can go check that out at fivepoles.com. Well, we have time maybe for two of our messages this week. Uh, we've got several in the hopper here, but we've already kind of run a little long with uh, talking about the the uh, well. Charles will be happy. Whatever else. He, he he hates missing out on the phone calls. I know that's he does. true. That's true. We're gonna have to have like a an episode where we have a short discussion so that we can just really clear this backlog here. Uh, so if we don't get to you this week, uh, we still have your clip. We are going to be playing that in probably the next episode. 
So we just want to take uh, just a couple this week. Let's go to the message machine and see what we've got there. Hey guys, it's Charles. Uh, I was just calling in to say that, um, sorry that I couldn't be on this week's episode. I'm missing it already. Um, we're out here on a river cruise down the Rhine through Germany and Switzerland, and it's been a lot of fun, but I'm ready to get back to uh, being part of the podcast. Um, I will say that I'm excited to hear it brand new for the first time, just like our listeners do, so that'll be a neat experience. Anyways, look forward to chatting with you guys again. Have fun. Bye. Oh, man, so... (laughs) Why do we have Charles on the answering machine here? This is ridiculous. <laughs> this guy, he, he can't this guy's out in the middle of Germany somewhere, and he still he, wants to be on the show. I don't know. You Maybe guys did tell just... him that I'm not replacing him permanently, right? He, he almost sounded <laughs> like he was like sad. That like... he did. Nah, he nah, did. You it know what like... it is. You know what it is, Neil. Like if like in the future one day you IMDb and you look at like episode count. For uh, he wanted to oh, make no. sure that he was on this episode. <laughs> I don't know, though. Yeah, I, I think Neil's right. It sounded like you know. I almost imagined him with like you know the sad puppy eyes there. You know, well, hey guys, wish I could be on the show. I see him like on the back of a boat, like facing the opposite direction. Is like there's like all these people like like paddling or something, like heading paddling. North and he's facing the. He's not on like a Viking rowboat. <laughs> I think I think he's gonna like just jump into the sea of mine. Like they have abandoned me. <laughs> oh man, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we love well, you, Charles. I mean, hey, good to hear from you, Charles. Uh, like, like, you know, like the fact that you're just rubbing it in there that you're on a Rhine cruise through Germany. But, uh, <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Uh, he knows he, he he's living it up over there, going down true. the rides. He's like, man, I don't want them to know how awesome of a time I'm having. Well, let's go and see who else is on this here machine this week. Uh, hi guys, this is Rick. So my question is about how to storytell travel time. Uh, I've run a lot of Exalted, but sometimes I really struggle depicting long distance travel in creation. Uh, There's supposed to be heaps of interesting locations and characters, but I always feel like I have to choose. Uh, Either I say, okay, you sail for a month and reach your destination, uh, which is efficient but really dull, uh, or I slot in a session's worth of plot to make the world feel sort of populated and uh, travel feel meaningful, which is interesting but also time-consuming. In D&D, I could use random encounters or something, but... I feel like it doesn't work well with Exalted because uh, the characters are so epic that they require bigger challenges than some bandits or a pack of wolves or something. Uh, But those big challenges need to be justified by build-up and plot so they're not running into abyssals by the side of the road or something like that. So I was just wondering whether you have any thoughts about that. Thanks much. All right. So Rick here with a question about how to narrate travel time. Uh, and he mentions, you know, random encounters and whatnot in D and D. What do you think about that? Is that would that work in Exalted? I do not think random encounters work with Exalted. Um, and the reason is, is Exalted is a story-driven game, whereas D and D is like, let's move to the next room, kill something, and see what treasure we get. So sometimes, if you roll on a random encounter, it's like, well, if we fight something yeah that's cool but you know we may get some more treasure 
which that's not the driving force in Exalted. Um, if someone is traveling, which we don't travel far in our games, right. I think that we we limit travel to in between like sessions, which like I mean, of course, wild yeah. wild shape isn't up yet, but there's going to be like a month of downtime, right, for the characters. Right. Which is good. You need that downtime to like, you know, someone gets a new martial arts. You need some somehow to explain it. Time to you train. Know? Yeah. yeah, you need time to train and, and things of that nature. And like crafting time and stuff like that. Sure. Sure. So if you do want to include travel, um, it's got to be part of the story. It can't just be like a random thing. You know, if you want to have an encounter, it needs to be a purposeful encounter, not a random encounter. Like, right. okay, they're going to get on this riverboat and they're going to travel for X number of days. And uh, you may say, okay, on night one, if, you know, unless the characters do something interesting, you know, nights one through three, the uh, captain will sit down and tell one of the characters this bit of information or, right. um, or something like uh, five days into the journey. Uh, they take on water and have to pull off to the side and, you know, something else happens. But it, it, it'll have to be planned. Uh, I mean, and it has to just be part of the story. And I don't know, maybe this stems from players having too much control over the story. Maybe that's where... I don't know if that's what this situation is. If I'm the storyteller, I know exactly where you are and pretty much where you're going to end up. Now, how you get there is, you know, whether you take a boat or you take horseback is, you know, I can, I can adapt to that. Um, right. So you're well, long... I think that, Go ahead. I think that, I think that his, uh, his concern is, is not so much that the, that the characters would be driving it, but that he, he thinks that creation is such, a, is such an amazing place. Right. He, he wants to make that clear through the traveling but you know he's, he's struggling between so what do i do do i just make a whole session's worth of content to to you know be you know part of the traveling journey you know here's things that happened uh, or do we do like rolling random encounters and see what ha you know like so that that's what he's struggling with is just kind of how to put that in right and you're you're essentially advocating for yeah, just take the extra session and do something in the midpoint I of mean, the journey you could just say okay you guys travel a week and you get there i mean if that's but then that that just sort of jump cuts and skips a lot of like like he said the really it does cool and, and i understand that but i mean i think a lot I mean, of that i think a lot of that depends on your players too what are your players looking for in a story right right um you have to kind of fill the room yeah yeah i i mean i i would do th there's a couple of things i would do here one i think this is very easy to do uh, if you if you don't want to spend the extra time to do the the sort of midpoint uh, extra session or whatnot, and you but you still want to communicate how awesome creation is as you're traveling, and that is just simply sit down beforehand and write out write out some big uh, you know, cool description of sights and sounds and like, like a montage shot in a movie, right. Of all these different places that you pass and the things that you experience, write out all of those things. And then just like sort of read that to the characters, you know, build that scene 
it would be it, that would that would make it very memorable uh that would show off some of creation and then it would be done you know i mean i'm imagining something that you read that takes five ten minutes to read and you know kind of and, and i say read i don't mean just like and then you pass by the tree i, I mean like you know really really you know spice that up uh, you could you could kind of write down some notes for yourself so that you could just tell the travel uh, like kind of that travel story, but yeah, take the time to take the time to create a little a little uh, monologue or whatever to describe that. Another thing that you could do, and this is something I've done before in our play by post games, especially in Unearthed, is if if there's any sort of need to navigate at all right so if there if there's a question of whether or not the characters can get from point a to point b so so we're saying they're not just on a train i know there's not trains in exalted but they're not just on like some rail that's going to take them right there but they actually kind of have to you know pick their way across the landscape or whatever turn it into a series of um you know turn it into into like an extended role and uh, one of the things that I did, which wasn't really popular at the time, Jim, um, <laughs> but one of the things I did in Under Season 2 is I made the folks, um, I made the players navigate across the underworld. Oh, and they had never I been remember in the underworld this. Before. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and, so, and so what I did was I created for myself. So I said it was going to take 21 successes and that each role represented eight hours of travel. And I created this little map for myself. And when I say map, it was just like a single line of dashes and X's, right? And every time they made a roll, I essentially moved the marker across this little, you know, one-dimensional map that I had created. And every place where there were these little X's, there was a potential, uh, a potential encounter, right? And every place where there was a dash, it was just open road. Like, you know, they could, they could set up camp. They could do whatever they want to. They weren't going to get into trouble. And so, and then I had planned what those various uh, X's were. There was like four or five of them throughout the journey. One of them was this really large town of the dead. It was like a city of the dead, a walled city. And if, and so in my mind, it had like, there were like three or four X's in a row there. So there was a higher chance that they would actually land right in the middle of the X's. And so what that was representing in my mind was if you rolled enough successes on the navigate roll to just completely bypass that section of my little one dimensional map, that meant that you found a really easy way around or not an easy way, but you found a way around this huge city and you didn't have to go through it. But if your navigation roll landed you right in the middle of that section of the one dimensional map, that meant that you had tried to cross the city and once you're inside this city of the dead there is a potential for encounters right and so i had like these four different places so i I had written them all out i knew exactly what they were if the characters passed them i just described what they passed without any any drama or anything if they landed in the middle of them though they had to do something so one of them was like (laughs) one of them it was a very small one too because i didn't exactly want them to land here because it could be really dangerous but it was like a, a field of eggs 
and the eggs hatched into these like giant skeletal dinosaurs that oh, were chasing yeah. I them all through. That. Yeah, and they landed in that one, and it was like you know they as they're walking amongst these huge egg things, like they're they're shaking, and some of them are cracking, and they're having to go, oh gosh, what do we do, right? And it actually didn't turn into a combat situation. It was just it was all handled through rolls of stealth and and uh, you know just trying to like get away on a foot race with some of these bigger things, but. Uh, but yeah, so every, you know, so I just created some potential locations, but allowed their roles to dictate, you know, whether they landed in them or not. And I think that's actually a really cool thing to do. Yeah, it I, gamifies it a little I bit. I think it because, was a good system, Corey. I just was mad because we had to roll like, I, I forget what it was, something plus survival, wits plus survival, something like that. And we all had a terrible survival skill. Right. So. <laughs> We were rolling really low. And, and I was like, laying some penalties on you, too. Oh, but <laughs> see, the thing was, was this, we started like the day of calibration. Yeah, so right. we, we only had five days. Yeah, we had five days. And like, we're watching the clock tick. Like, oh, no, we're not going to make it out of the underworld, you know? Right. So, yeah, there was brutal debates. But, <laughs> like but you made it. <laughs> You made it by the skin of your teeth exactly as I had planned. It worked. <laughs> it worked. But yeah, so I would say gamifying gamifying anything that like takes an extended amount of time is a really good idea. I mean, you think about like what Exalted itself does in the rules. They gamify the system of crafting by making it an extended role where you can accumulate successes and you can gather different materials and all this kind of stuff for a sorceress workings. Same yeah, thing. You have all these different cool. means and whatnot. Yeah, so turn turn things that are mundane like that but that take time, gamify the system. I think that because everybody likes to roll dice. So give them a chance to roll dice and then have their rolls mean something in the way that the travel works out. That's my advice. Neil, you got anything to say about that? Um, no, just kind of seconding what you said about having some things pre-prepared. I mean, never underestimate the power of flavor texts and right. just allowing for something to really feel real. So it doesn't feel like you're always ad-libbing something um ad-lib is great right. you need that you need improv and rp i mean it's just absolutely necessary but showing that you have maybe five like you said let's say you have five villages between point a and point b giving each one their own little flavor text and maybe they only interact with one or two of them but you've even already given your own mind kind of a anchor from the flavor text from which you can improv on Right. So, and yeah, but I do, I also want to just agree with uh, Jim that I don't think, I have a hard time imagining how random encounters and exalted would work as well. Um, yeah. I think it is one of those things you, if you're going to have travel encounters, it needs to be something that's just going to uh, have to be fleshed out beforehand because otherwise it is going to get grindy and nitty gritty and then try to tie that into your story so it feels like as you're going along the the story and the narrative is advancing and it's not just well i want to make this feel real <laughs> you know that right. it's more than than that but you know just just listen to you talk about the random encounters again and you know having this fresh you know this idea in my mind of what i was just talking about in terms of gamifying the system of travel um it turns out it turns out that that was an actually brilliant idea Think about how brilliant that is. You planned <laughs> planned encounters that could randomly happen. 
Yeah, that's yeah. genius, and mm-hmm. that's freaking genius. I'm good. I'm good with that. Like, because basically, you um, you you had this little timeline of all these like basically took the the number of success, successes that it would take to successfully navigate this. I'm just I'm just stating it again in my own words. Right. So, 21 successes. You put 21 dots on the on a piece of paper, and then like every fourth, fifth, seventh. 20th whatever dot uh you put you change that into a diamond and then like right. you give it a number and then on right. another piece of paper you write number one boom boom, right. boom and whatever it is so yeah. basically yeah you have made a list of purposeful ca- encounters which would make sense for right. the characters to run across but they may or may not encounter those based on their dice rolls so it is a yeah. random purposeful encounter i like it yeah I like freaking it. genius yeah. yeah and as a gm you have it, <laughs> anyone who ever uh is a storyteller the gm or dm or whatever you're doing you know that there are things that you're not always going to be able to present to your players and that's just part of the the labor of love if you will when you play with play rpgs with people right is they're not right. always going to see all the preparation that you did and that's sure. okay that's, that's okay, okay. You save that for the next episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just take that idea, roll into something else. Although it's like, like I said, you know, with uh, with our our example there of the crossing the underworld, um, if they miss it, if they miss the encounter thing that you prepared, it becomes something then that that gets to be a part of the description what you just passed, right? Mm-hmm. right. So it's still it's still aiding in that. Um, you know that notion of we want to describe the coolness of creation as we right. or the underworld uh as we cross it and so yeah i mean yeah that's actually um you know what exalted devs you need to put that in the rules that that should be <laughs> that should be a new subsystem yeah because, underneath uh, the golden rule and the, uh the other rules you can put the cory rule so there you go yeah. Or the deliberative, rule. the deliberative rule. The deliberative rule. Oh, speaking Actually, of... That uh, should be un- the shard rule, because that yeah. came from when our board was called shard and, you know, immortalized that. Well, all right. I'm showing that the, that the message machine has four more messages on it. And I know that I said that we would save some of these uh, from last week till this week, because we had such a long episode last week. But honestly, we need to roll these forward. And uh, so I'm sorry to, to Hector and Becca and Mike... And Alexi, although Alexi, we did already tell you that yours would be on episode 12. But um, to you guys, we will we will do yours on the next episode. We will we will plan specifically to have a shorter discussion section so that we can do more time interacting with your questions. And I think that'll be better all around. So that then would just about wrap it up for this week. Now, where can folks find more of your stuff? Neil, where can folks find more of you online? Well, they can find me on Wild Shape. I'm username Neil, easy to find. And you will also hear me in the forthcoming Wild Shape podcast real-time play that we're doing here. You can always find me at our website, fivepoles.com. Or you can reach me directly at my email, james.fivepoles at gmail.com. I go by the username Reform Ninja on the forums. And I go by Jay Wesley on the Deep Wild forum. And for all game-related things, including the official Onyx Path forums and the DeepWild.com forums, I am NumaPilot. 
And if you have a question or issue that you would like for us to discuss on The Deliberative, maybe on next week's uh, very heavy listener-focused show, <laughs> please send your question to us at thedeliberativepodcast at gmail.com. It's all one big long word, thedeliberativepodcast at gmail.com. And remember, if at all possible, send us a recording of yourself asking the question or making the comment. We will put it on the show. Hey, The Deliberative Podcast would like to thank Rylora McBeck, Adam Kosakowski, and Nagi Sangila for leaving reviews on iTunes. Guys, we appreciate that. Oh, those are great. All right. Thank you for listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. Bye.